We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more. Now the story of a wealthy family who lost everything and the one son who had no choice but to keep them all together. It's Arrested Development. Hello and welcome to the Televerse Sound On Sites TV podcast. I'm Kate Kalzik. I'm Simon Hill. Now, regular listeners will note that our intro music was a little different this week. That's to to reflect the new news we got about Arrested Development coming back for a, a, a new season. So what, what did you think of this? A season in a movie, yeah, theoretically. Um, not as yeah, thrilled as I think a lot of other people are, and I think maybe not as thrilled as we all would have been had the news come a couple years sooner. Um. Returns like this are rarely a good idea. I mean, uh, certainly, especially after this amount of time, I'm very inclined to just let a good thing lie at this point, even though, I mean, obviously there's things they can do after the ending that they had. But, uh, yeah, not... And and also, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, for me, that's the biggest thing. I mean, as as much as I do love this show, uh, there's been a lot of talk. And yes, this is the most positive movement we've gotten so far, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, and hopefully if it does happen, then we'll get to, you know, have a great thing to, to review and watch and enjoy. But I'm at this point, I'm kind of just happy leaving it, like you said, with three great seasons. Um, but let's, let's move on. How was your week? Uh, cluttered, as usual. <laughs> you always make me feel bad. You do so much more than I do, I think. <laughs> Trust me, I it, none of this is interesting as you might expect. Good times. We have some fun stuff coming at the site, of course. Now, uh, my reviews of Doctor Who are 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 done now that we had the finale this week. But of course, you still have a couple more reviews of Breaking Bad this week and next week. And Yanis is reviewing Community for us, so there's lots of fun things to read about that. And then, of course, there's also my article this week, which is going to be looking at shows that have a five season arc or just a one series long arc as opposed to having an arc per season like that sort of thing and and looking at you know what those shows are and what the pitfalls are and whether or not it works that sort of a thing do you have any uh, ideas i'm having a really hard time thinking of shows that have multi-season arcs that don't rely on a sort of individual season mini arcs um to get by uh, that's, I mean, you, you, as per usual, you're the inventorist, you're you're the expert, so maybe you can school me, but it's a really hard thing to do well. I think it's uh, really hard to keep momentum over that long a period of, of television. There are definitely fewer shows than I originally thought when I conceived of the article, so it's it's been an interesting thing to look at. Yeah, and so hopefully people will, you know, check out the site and read the review, my, my article and let me know what they think. We have a good show lined up. We got to talk to Richard Smith from Simply Syndicated about Quantum Leap, which was a lot of fun. So that's going to be our DVD shelf segment. But um, at the end of the at the end of the show. But before anything else, let's jump into our week in TV. So there are a few shows on Tuesday that that you did haven't seen. So I'm just going to kind of race through those quickly. Because um, unfortunately, I don't really know why, but I'm still watching Ringer, and it's not good. Uh, at this point, I'm only watching really for Nestor Carbonum. Excuse me, and of course, Ian Griffiths is a lot of fun too. But 
even Sarah Michelle Gellar, as much as a fan of Buffy as I am, is not enough of a reason for me to keep watching this show. She just has not been good enough. Um, Jason Doring is going to be on the show in a couple weeks, so I, I feel like I'll probably give it a shot until then um, to check out and see what he does on the show, but I really think... I can't re recommend anybody still be watching this show, let alone myself, so... Yeah, it's not, it's not for, uh, it's, it's not been a, a good show. So, uh, next we have New Girl, which I checked in the second episode of this one for the second episode of this one. And, you know, I kind of liked it. I, I had so much more fun with it the second week than the first week. It's one of those shows that everybody keeps saying is the, the best new fall show, uh, which, you know, they're, they're wrong. The best new fall show is Homeland, but it's, yeah, it's been it was a much better episode this week, and I think the reason I liked it so much more was because they really toned down Jess. And so every now and again, there are still moments of quirky Jess, where she's ridiculously over the top and annoyingly quirky. But for the most part, she was just a, you know, a regular quirky person instead of an annoyingly quirky person. And I thought that the guys were much better as well. Um, I really like their dynamic. I th thought they did a good job of writing off Coach in, you know, and they they handled it well, I would say. And so, yeah, I'm going to keep watching it and, and see what comes of it. But I'm, I'm really glad I gave it a second, a second chance because I was very pleasantly surprised. Have you checked back in with New Girl at all or no? Uh, no. I mean, I, I keep hearing that everyone loves it and that it's a huge hit, which... Uh perversely makes me want to watch it less uh, because that's that's how I work. So I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical, but I will check up on it uh, probably next week, or I should say this week. Okay. Uh, but you did check up with the second episode of Glee. So what did you think of that? Glee was uh, stronger this week for sure. Uh, I Am Unicorn is the name of the episode. I think it played uh, much more to its strengths, uh, Glee, than it is this week. Uh, especially leaning on the relationship between uh, Kurt and his father and his and his boyfriend. Uh, I mean, obviously, we still have the problem of the adults. We still have Jane Lynch uh, making our lives difficult in particular, but I, I did think it was certainly a more charming episode than we got last week, and that's something that Glee desperately needs right now is charm. Uh, also, of course, we got a couple of very strong musical numbers. Interesting. Which were the musical numbers that, that you particularly liked? Uh, I would say uh, Kurt's number was particularly strong. Maybe because I haven't seen him uh, perform in a, in, a, in a little while, at least not uh, in a sort of show-stopping uh, format. I, I'd, I'd forgotten how strong he was. Mm -hmm. uh, what, I don't know, what did you think of the numbers this week? Well, I I love West Side Story, and basically Somewhere is a really amazing song. It's a beautiful song. And they killed it. And not not in the stand-up comedy, as in that that's a good thing kind of way. In the, it, they stabbed it in the heart with an axe and it's dead kind of way. So, they, just doing that incredible, they've, they've seemed to love this season so far in the, all of the two episodes there's been. But still, slowing it down and making it uber dramatic and in a song like Somewhere, and I also don't think it worked last week either, that that just kills it. It's not good. You need to have some forward momentum in somewhere to, for it to work. And just apparently they, they just love Leah Michelle so much. They have to make sure that she gets as long of a number as possible. But yeah, I I really did not like that song. I, and I thought that um, Something's Coming with 
with Blaine was much better than last week's numbers. But it's still, there wasn't enough breath support for me. That's, a, you know, Tony is a really tough role that usually, honestly, people almost never get completely right. I think that we'll probably be seeing more of the musical this, this season. And I think that Blaine, I'm assuming, will make an excellent Tony on the show. Um, but, yeah, they need to stop loving the breathiness thing so much because I believe, I'm pretty sure Darren Chris is a good enough singer that he should be able to sustain those notes the way that they need it. And they just didn't. And so I don't really understand that. So I, I there were some that were good there and then somewhere really bothered me because I didn't think it was good at all. But, um, but yeah, I would agree that it was better. The episode was much better overall, as far as I was concerned. These, I, I cared about the characters this week. I thought it was very smart to bring Adina Menzel back as Shelby and to actually, you know, touch on... So in the, at the end of the first season, Quinn had a baby, and then it was never mentioned at all in the entirety of season two, other than maybe a throwaway joke here or there. So, you know, I'm glad that we're getting just a little bit of consequences here for it, you know, better late than never. So... Um, yeah, I was ready to stop watching the show last week and they reeled me back in. So we'll see what happens next week. This week's episode is, um, Asian F. So we're getting, it's a Mike Chang episode. So apparently he actually gets to sing for the first time, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I, I'm definitely back on the, the bandwagon. Yeah, we'll see. I am a little concerned. With, I mean, this was a Ryan Murphy written episode. We actually said the last week was, but wasn't yeah. this one actually is. Uh, Televerse regrets the error. <laughs> and as soon as I saw that it was a Ryan Murphy written episode and that we were going to get some family dynamics, I got a little bit concerned because I was <laughs> having uh, horrific flashbacks to other shows. But actually, it wasn't too bad. And I was a little leery of where they were going with Quinn for most of the episode. But I, I did think her last beat was a, was a nice one. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm much more cautious about Glee than you are, but I'm, <laughs> I'm I will I will keep watching and see what happens. Excellent. On Wednesday, there was episode three of Up All Night, which I thought was a lot better, um, if only for uh, Will Forte's appearance. I thought he was really great with Will Arnett, but it, just really the show, it's not funny enough for me to want to keep watching. As great as these these performers are, as much as I enjoy them. You know, the show just, it's not good enough for me to keep giving it my time. And the same is unfortunately true for me with Free Agents, which also had its third episode. Um, you know, I, I think the cast has gelled really well. And maybe it's one that will, if it gets the chance, which it's looking kind of doubtful. But if it does get the chance, maybe it's one that will grow into being a better series. Um, but for now, I'm just, it's just not good enough for me to keep watching, you know. As, as much as I, I want to like this show, I just, I didn't laugh. Um, there's also Modern Family Episode 3, which, for which my strongest uh, thought was that I really don't like the new Lily. She just, she screams Michelle from Full House to me, and uh, she just is not, uh, she's just not being used in an entertaining way, and I think that, I don't know that the, the, the actress or the, the, the girl is that great to, to start out with. Maybe she's wonderful and they just aren't using her well, but um, I'm hoping that they will use her less and less. Um, and then I thought that the twist with Cam and Mitchell was really obvious, but it's, it was still fun. I still enjoyed it. And um, I, I really like, I mean, anytime they put Phil and, and um, 
Luke in their own plotline. I think it, it works really well. I, I really like their dynamic. So I had a lot of fun with Bill and his tightrope walk. And um, yeah, it, so I, so this was sort of a mixed bag for me because of the prominence of Lily and some of the other stuff. But yeah, it was still a fun episode to watch. So There was a new show on Wednesday. It actually did pretty well in the ratings that we checked out, and that's Suburgatory. As I recall, we sort of destroyed this one in our preview uh, episode. We were not uh, fans of what it promised to be. What did you think of the actual pilot? I think this is pretty clearly a case of most improved from the promo, which is a an award I didn't know we were going to be giving. I somehow the, somehow ABC managed to emphasize all the show's worst qualities in like thirty seconds. But actually, Suburgatory is pretty strong, and I, I think that despite the uh, breast implant flotation device gags, it's it's quite it was quite a strong pilot. I think Jane Levy, who plays the main character Tessa, has a lot to do with that. It doesn't hurt that she's basically an Emma Stone lookalike. We also get Jeremy Sisto as her dad, and it's great to see him in something that isn't unbearably heavy, like Six Feet Under or Kidnapped. Yeah, I I, I think this is considerably stronger than anyone could have possibly hoped for based on what we've seen already. Yeah, I agree. And this is actually, this is the show that made me decide to stop watching Up All Night and Free Agents because I I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed the time that I spent with these characters and that made me reflect back on, you know, the other stuff that I had watched on Wednesday at that point and the fact that I hadn't really enjoyed it. So... Um, yeah, I think that you're absolutely right, Jen Levy is very good as Tessa, and I think that Jeremy Sisto, I mean, I, I enjoyed his more dramatic work, I thought he was really good on Law & Order before that got bizarrely cancelled, and um, so I really like him here. Alan Tudyk is fine, they don't really, haven't really done anything with him yet, uh, but this is a different kind of character than I've seen him do before, so I'm looking forward to kind of following that. This is one that I mean, I'm definitely going to stick with it for a while and see see what happens. I, I'm curious what you think about this. I really like the tone. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the one issue with, for me, tonally with the pilot was it's very much this sort of, it, it there's a lot of snark, uh, there's, there's a heavily snarky quality that you know they're going to subvert by the end of the show, and it's, it, it's a little bit too predictable. I mean, you get 20 minutes of, the suburbs are awful, and everyone in it is to, is is a Stepford wife. And then, of course, you know that eventually Cheryl Hines is going to be nice to her, and and that um, and that the Allie Grant character, who is uh, also on Weeds, is going to come around. And there's certain beats that you know they're going to do, but I mean that's sort of part of pilotitis, I guess. I think it really gets by on on the charisma of the leads, and I think also that charisma helps them get past some prudishness that kind of bothers me. I mean, we we have this whole thing with you know the the condoms and you know he find I mean although the although even the show does even correct that prudishness a bit so maybe I, maybe I shouldn't fault it for that so yeah I'm I'm definitely curious to see where it's going right now the biggest problem I have with it is uh, my utter annoyance that she calls her dad George I, that really irked me for whatever reason so I'm hoping they get away from that because that's not how anyone really talks with their loving father Mm -hmm. uh but other than that yeah i'm i'm really interested to see where it goes the last show i have on wednesday is top chef just desserts they did a beastie boys challenge this week and i just i don't think it really worked uh 
basically people had to make desserts out of savory ingredients. And by savory ingredients, I'm talking mashed potatoes and pork and beans and that sort of thing. So it, you know, it just didn't really work as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so it was nice to not have everybody all succeed and be wonderful. It's nice to have a, a more difficult challenge or a more out-of-the-box thinking sort of challenge. But yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this will be one of those things that they don't come back to, or at least I hope, because it, it's, I feel like it was just too outside of their purview to really be successful. Big Bang Theory, I think, was pretty good on Thursday. They, I really like what they have been doing with Amy Farrah Fowler. They've gotten a lot of uh, play out of having Maya Bialik on the show, and her stuff with Leonard was a lot of fun this week. I think the, the Howard Bernadette, Mrs. Wallowitz stuff that they had was just, I know this is the point, but it was just too creepy for me to really find it funny. So... I'm hoping they kind of start going somewhere new with that because it hasn't been particularly successful as far as I'm concerned. Like, do we get, you know, I feel like we've already gotten that joke and they need to move on. But, you know, whenever they, they put Amy and Leonard and, and Penny and Sheldon together, they, they're going to end up with, with good stuff. So it's been a strong season so far, I think, and better than last year. Um, but that brings us to community. So what did you think of this week? I know that you were unconvinced by last week's episode, so. Yeah, it's been really strange to watch the debate over this past week of, of community. There's very little unity among community fans, ironically, but I did think it was a stronger episode this week, which I know some obviously would disagree with, mostly because there was more of an emphasis on the funny. Honestly, I don't ask much of community. I ask that it be funny. I don't need all the meta references saying that everyone else seems to find so incredibly charming. And obviously we did get some of that this week. There was sort of a sly fringe gag, which I'm sure many people picked up on in particular. But I, it was still hit and miss. For me, I think the obvious miss was the whole Britta Chang, Lionel Richie subplot, which I don't know where they were going with this, honestly. But the I think the A-plot was fairly strong. For me, yeah, this got things a little bit back on track. Uh, I I actually really liked it, and you know I'm with you. I I enjoy the meta stuff. I enjoy the references, but I don't. You don't. The show does not need that to work, and it can become too reliant upon it and and lose the funny in its attempt to gain the references. So I I thought this was a lot of fun this week. Um, I I liked seeing Martin Starr on the show. I thought he was good. Um, I thought the Chang and British stuff worked. It was perhaps a bit overplayed, but. I thought it was something different to do with Chang, so I, I enjoyed that. And uh, probably uh, my favorite thing in the entire episode was Troy and his Georgian accent uh, from the country of Georgia, which was a, a lot of fun. And I'm I'm hoping that evil Annie shows up again. Um, I did not like the Annie and Jeff stuff, though. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I think that that shipping or whatever that, that I know some fans do is kind of creepy, like, I've never been able to get the age, the character age difference out of my head. Because she's supposed to be, what, 19 at this point, And he's in his 30s. And the actors, of course, have nowhere near that age gap. Uh, but it's still, it's, I don't know, it's still creepy to me. What do you think? I'm not sure I find it as creepy as you do. Maybe it's because, you know, I'm in Montreal and we have a more European attitude to these things. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's not the show's strongest leg to stand on it. Uh, although, to their credit, they seem to acknowledge how creepy it is on a fairly regular basis. 
So as with everything else on community, there's a pretty high level of, of self-awareness. Um, yeah, so I mean, it didn't, maybe it didn't bother me quite as much as, as it did you. The, I mean, there aren't too many serial elements left in the show that I think are all of that interesting, except for, you know, the general plot of, you know, people trying to deal with, with, with their lives in this strange sort of educational purgatory. So I'm sort of curious to see what they're going to do with these characters this season in terms of where they're actually headed, what, especially since I'm, I'm not really sure if they're going to deal with, are, are they meant to be graduating at some point? Like what, what's actually going to be happening with them? This is something that they've not really d- talked about or dealt with, and they've got a lot of time to do that. So, I mean, that's the stuff that's going to keep me watching in terms of what's the actual destination here, especially since who knows if they're even going to get another season. Yeah, the ratings are still pretty darn low, so we'll we'll see what happens with it. And it's sort of like like you were saying last week about Fringe. Uh, who knows how long the show's going to be on the air? So, you know, whenever even if I don't particularly love an episode, I'm still glad to get to spend some time with these characters. So, we'll see what happens when they get to the point if they are able to when uh, their characters are supposed to be graduating. So, we'll see what happens with that. Now, this week on Parks and Rec, we had the much-anticipated Tammy 1 episode. Um, what did you think of this episode, and how do you think it compared to the stuff with, that we got with Tammy 2? And are you hoping that we get to see Tammy 0, 1, and 2 in the future? Well, yeah, but that's, there's a lot of Tammy this week, isn't there, in many forms. I was a little disappointed with Ron and Tammy's, the episode, I have to say, um, especially given the high bar set with uh, in, the, in the previous Tammy episodes and because I love Patricia Clarkson and I was very curious to see what, what they'd be giving her to do on the show. I think it was just for me a little bit cluttered. They were doing so much with 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 Ron and, and the Tammies this week and I wanted to see, I wanted to see it happen a little bit more slowly and the transformation that he undergoes when he's around Tammy one to me was not as convincing or as funny as the transformation he went through with, with Tammy too, in terms of the cornrows and the incarceration. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I mean, it's still, it's still parks and rec and it's still funny and it's still, you know, the best comedy on TV probably. But uh, yeah, it, it, I think it, it just suffered from the hype and the hyperbole a little. Yeah. I, I liked this episode. I thought it was a lot of fun, but once again, and this will come up uh, later when we get to the, uh, we get to later in the the evening, but I didn't laugh out loud watching this episode at all. Um, I didn't actually laugh out loud watching any of the shows this week except for one, which I will mention when we get to it. But I, I liked the stuff with Tammy zero one and two. I just wish they had spent more time with Tammy one, the way that they did with Tammy two last season. Um, I did like that the progression from his mother to his first wife to his second wife made so much, I thought was really well, like well delineated and made sense. You could see how he would, after growing up with that mother, how he would glom onto Tammy one. And then after Tammy one, why Tammy two would be such uh, an appealing figure in his life. So I thought that was interesting. And, uh, I also loved that April loves Tammy one and sort of sees her as a role model. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think about the Anne and Chris stuff? Do you think they're going to get them back together? 
Honestly, I'm too distracted by what's going on with Rob Lowe's hair. Oh my god, me too. To wonder... Okay, I'm glad it's not just me. Yeah, it's not just you to wonder what it is they're doing with with Rob Lowe and and Rashida Jones. I mean, that that aspect of the show is is not that interesting to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Other than you know, uh, you know the, the the rich comic potential that Rob Lowe's character has. Uh, but yeah, the hair. I can't get over it. Is it a hairpiece? Is are, is it a plot point that they're just waiting to deploy, or is it uh, is it some awful new styling? I don't know. I if this were any other show, I'd be tempted to read a whole other plot line into it, but I don't know if I should. I'm still confused. Yeah, it's really bad, and so <laughs> I'm. I felt kind of terrible for having that distract me in what is such a strong show. Uh, so I'm glad that it's not just me, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's and Rob Lowe is 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 a guy. He's in the know. He's a he's a stylish fellow. So mm-hmm. I, that that makes me think that they know what's up. But I don't know. I need answers. Somebody ask Michael Sure what's going on. Well, and if you see pictures of him, I'm pretty. Sure, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's not wearing his hair like that around town. So you, who knows? Who knows? Mm. Um, but I did not catch up with. The Office this week, but uh, you did. So, what did you think of the the second episode of the season for The Office? Yeah, well, I mean, as mentioned last week, they're they're having a, a bit of a transitional period right now because they're dealing with Andy Bernard as manager rather than Michael Scott. It was a bit of a step down this week, but it was definitely still amusing. Um, I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to keep up with it, but I, I have been curious as to how they're going to deal with this sort of transition period we get a pretty over-the-top bit about an ass tattoo uh, incentive program that's uh, a little bit broad but it basically works and we get a whole lot more james bader which i've been really digging i think he's he's very funny on the show we still haven't really solved the problem of pam and jim and their and their uselessness and i think that aspect is probably what's going to get me to stop watching fairly soon you know, I don't really care who Pam's pregnancy pal is, honestly. And I I don't think there's anything interesting for them to do with Pam and her pregnancy, honestly. I just, I, I can't think of a, of a way out for, for these characters in terms of actually making them funny and interesting. I mean, that's what a talented writer's room is for, but so far they haven't really been up to that task. But I do think in terms of the, the master plot, in terms of Andy and then dealing with that, I think they're doing a fairly good job. Cool. So you're going to, are you going to give it a few more weeks or just kind of play it week to week and see how you feel? Uh, Well, we'll see. We'll see how sleep deprived I am. (laughs) Okay. Um, there was another pilot this, uh, this week, um, on Thursdays we had how to be a gentleman, which is one of those ones that looked terrible, but had a good cast. So I'm curious, how did you fall down on this one? How to Be a Gentleman is the weirdest new show of the fall, and I and I don't mean, I don't mean on its own, it's the weirdest show of the fall. But I think in context, it's a very strange show. It's created, and the pilot is also written by uh, David Hornsby, who's probably still best known as Rickety Cricket on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's also produced by the cast of of It's Always Sunny, and he also stars in the show. And you've got, as you mentioned, a crazy good cast. You've got him and. Dave Foley, Marilyn Raskib, and Reese Darby. And, and you've got Kevin Dillon, but we'll get there. Um, <laughs> and I think as a result of having that, that amazing cast, you, there are, 
as uh, it is not as other people have said the worst comedy of the fall i don't think even close not even close and i say and i say that because despite the at, at least right now very hackneyed premise and despite kevin dillon's very annoying very stereotypical character there are some laughs to be had and i think that's a product of having 22 minutes of dave foley and reese darby kicking around and uh, and let's give marilyn rask give some credit as well um I think for that reason alone, the show has some potential. If it wasn't for th- for those aspects, I wouldn't assume that necessarily at all. That's interesting because for me, the part of the show that was the strongest was by far Dave Foley. I thought that his take on that character uh, was a lot of fun and really elevated the material to um, above what it could have been. And uh, as much as I do really like Marilyn Ricecub, I thought that she was actually kind of terrible here. I don't think that's really her fault. I think the writing for her character is just really bad. Not good. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun with this one. I was surprised because it is so cliche and stereotypical. And you do kind of see the jokes coming. But the performers are so good that they they just sort of will it to work, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I was not entertained by the Kevin Dillon stuff. Uh, I mean, we'll see how it goes, but I do think the the trio of Dave Foley and uh, Rickety Cricket and and um, sorry, you, you said his name. What's his name? Reese Darby. Reese Darby. And Reese Darby uh, make that show this show one that I'm gonna actually keep checking out for a while. So. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see what comes of it. But I did actually have a lot of fun with it. Uh, but I, I am still definitely very confused as to how all these people got involved in this extremely conventional network sitcom. I, I'd like to know what those meetings were like. Yeah, it is sort of a strange thing to see such a. I mean, I I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna get blasted by the actual comedy fans who who may be listening. But it would seem like more indie comedy sort of voices making what is such a mainstream kind of show but but yeah i still think i still think it works and it's interesting and hopefully it will get better i don't understand why so many people are saying it's one of the worst new comedies because i I don't think it's even in the conversation of what the worst new comedies are agreed let's move on to what was the uh i'm going to kind of give away my thoughts here but what was the only show this week to make me physically laugh out loud, to act not just grin, not just smile, not just enjoy my half hour, but actually laugh out loud. And that's always sunny, or it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird also to segue from that show to this one. Um, <laughs> this, yeah, I, they've been on a roll lately, and I think this was their strongest episode since they came back. I mean, anything involving Frank, funeral makeup, <laughs> children. And musical numbers. I mean, I I think you combine those and, and you've got a, a winning. I mean, anything just with Danny DeVito and children in general, because obviously there's there's some there's a basic physical thing there. Um, and also they've got a, a great history with musical numbers, especially if you've been watching the show for a long time. And they keep it simple and they, they keep it uh, hilarious, thankfully. And anything. And the, the, the great thing also to me was just the the gusto with which they go about doing this production which which only ends up in their lap because there's a diddler around <laughs> um yeah they, they just they really just took i mean obviously poking fun at children's pageants is fish is a fish in a barrel scenario but 
they make hay with it anyway. Yeah, it just was really funny, and there, I don't know, it, I, I don't know if I, at this point in the season, if I prefer Parks and Rec or Always Sunny. I like spending my time with Parks and Rec more, but I've been laughing more at Always Sunny. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what do you, do you have an opinion between the two? I, I I think in any given season, it's it's usually a pretty solid bet that It's Always Sunny is going to be the most reliable source of belly laughs. Obviously, it's not the most profound show on television. I mean, they can occasionally get into this realm where you find the characters kind of charming or or you're actually rooting for them, but really, it's just it's just an excuse for these very funny people to bounce off of each other and do awful things in a very funny way. And I think that they've been hitting a a really strong comic groove lately. And when they're really on, it's very difficult to find something funnier. Yeah. And I just, I just loved the tag at the end, just the throwaway kind of ending. They, they just, the the lack of any concern for structure or narrative integrity (laughs) or any of that, I thought was hilarious. So Absolutely. Yeah, another great one. And that was followed up um, by the Archer mini-season finale um, thing. So what did you mm-hmm. think of... Thing. Yeah, what did you think of that episode and then the arc as a whole? Well, the, yeah, this weirdly ended up ending ending the season. They had a, a, a long season that started in the spring and then just wrapped up now with this three-part Heart of Archness finale. I think it was, a, a in general, it was a quite a solid finale maybe not quite up to the best of the season but they did have a ridiculously strong second season it's been really interesting watching adam reed take on more sort of narrative responsibility and it's almost like watching like a kid grow up um and you know it's sort of fleshing out his characters and the universe of the show and i think they've done a really good job balancing sort of the the possibilities of the cartoon format that you know doing things that other shows can't do while also never losing sight of the sort of the repartee between the many voice actors uh, who are on the show and who, you know, who, and who do great work and with also never losing sight of the characters. And I think that uh, really they've just been going from strength to strength as, as well. And I'm really looking forward to uh, getting the show on, on DVD next uh, early next year and, and, uh, and going back through it and, and, get, and getting the highlights again, uh, especially the ones from earlier in the, in the year. I think it's just genuinely a great show at this point. Um, again, another one of the funniest things on TV, and especially the second season in particular, I think was just was just so strong. And I'm glad that I mean it hasn't been getting gangbuster ratings, but it, but FX seems to be very willing to give it a chance over time. So good on them, and I'm um, very much looking forward to seeing it again in the fall. Uh, good times. Sorry, I should say next spring. Yeah, it is definitely. The more I hear people talk about it, um, the more I do want to go back and and catch up with it. So I think that might be something that I that I do in November when I have a little time, um, get a little break from work and catch up. And so that way I, I'm good to start up again with it in in the spring or the was it January February whenever it's coming back. Um, the last show that we have on Thursday is one that we actually were supposed to review last week. But you didn't get a chance to watch it, and I forgot. So that kind of tells you what we thought of it. Um, the show is Person of Interest. And uh, I didn't watch the second episode, which aired this week. But the pilot was just it was sort of a meh kind of uh, episode for me. It's a better show than I expected it to be from the promo material. It, it's definitely not... It doesn't fall into the, the traps that I felt like it might, given you know what we had seen 
for it, but it's just, it's not good enough for me to want to tune in week to week or apparently for me to remember to review it. So <laughs> yeah, it got good ratings when it premiered. I hadn't, haven't checked to see if, if that stood up this week, but, um, but yeah, it's, you know, it has a strong cast. It has a, you know, straightforward procedural, uh, plot line with potential, season arcing, you know, mysteries underneath it or character mysteries underneath it. So I'm sure there are people who will really like it, but it's just, you know, not interesting enough for me. So uh, then let's move on to Friday, because as much as we are both actually interested to see how Prime Suspect did in its second episode, I uh, just didn't have the time this week. Um, do you think you're going to catch up with that next week or? I think so. Yeah, I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it the old college try especially since um, I don't feel like it's been getting its due. Yeah. Um, and NBC has expressed, as I understand, uh, some willingness to be patient with it and it's because it, it's getting some pretty terrible ratings right now, but they do apparently want to give it a little chance to grow, so that's encouraging as well. On Friday, we had Supernatural Episode 2, and uh, this was an interesting one because this could have been the start or the premise for an entire series, let alone just the, the you know, how they started out a, a season. Um, the main thing that I'm walking away from the episode with, and I'm, of course, I'm going to be brief because you, you don't watch Supernatural, but one of the characters was killed off, sort of, probably. Um, and as much as I thought they did a good job with, with Cass and with giving the characters time to d digest and discuss the loss... Um, there was no talk of Jimmy, and I'm not going to get more specific than that because, you know, I know that you plan on catching up with Supernatural at some point, but this is, you know, they they grieved one of the characters, but they didn't grieve Jimmy, and they should have, as far as I'm concerned, because they've met him, they've met his family. This is another loss. It's not just the person that we think died. There, there's two people there, and I wish they had had a little just even a, a slight mention of the terrible things that that jimmy experienced but i did enjoy seeing benito martinez of course aceveda from the shield he has much better material here than he got when uh his in his brief stint on torchwood this past season um it's always fun when they bring back dr sexy md so that was nice and um it looks like they're going back to the season one cliffhanger structure to their episode so i think that shows a lot of promise and i like where they're going this season so i'm excited to see what happens and i'm also really enjoying what we're getting from fringe what did you think of the second episode uh well this week we got an excellent guest appearance from john piper ferguson who is best known to me from canadian indie classic uh, hardcore logo as oxenberger um and he gets I think it's going to be a really interesting season for for guest stars because I'm I'm guessing that quite a few of them are might get to dive into the media aspects of the show in terms of getting to play multiple versions of themselves. Uh, this is a a trend I'm I'm personally really into, and they've always done great work with with guests like and Brad Dourif showed up for a bit, which was great fun, and uh, he gets a, a really media role here as a sort of guy studying serial killers but then on the other side of the fence he's actually a serial killer which was a, a really great hook um beyond that um sort of monster of the week freak of the week type deal they didn't do very much in terms of advancing the master plot of the 
season. Actually, maybe they did nothing because, I mean, we didn't really get any beats. We didn't get last week. We still get uh, Walter getting freaked out by Joshua Jackson appearing in his television. But um, I thought it was a really fun episode for sure. Yeah, the only development we got for the the Peter arc or, or whatever is the fact that apparently Walter's also hearing him. So it's not just seeing him, he's hearing him as well. But I actually am enjoying that they're taking their time with it, that they're not, you know, they're they're apparently going to milk that for a while. And I think that's more interesting than trying to jump right back in. I do think the, the Peter references are rather on the nose and uh, I would be I would appreciate a little more subtlety than... How can somebody you don't remember leave an imprint on your life? Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, on the whole, I do think it was really good. And honestly, after watching Fringe, it makes watching Ringer even more difficult. <laughs> it's like Ringer, Devil's Double. Yeah, yeah. This is how you have two characters on the same in the same scene at the same time. You know, this is how you do it. If you're not sure, it can be done. And it can be done very well. Flip over to Fox and check out Fringe. Mm-hmm. So. And especially Anna Torv doesn't get, as 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 I think we've mentioned before, enough respect. And she's been having clearly loads of fun uh, playing both uh, our and their Olivia. But I really can't. But mind you, I am a little bit annoyed that the others, the other versions of of the characters, are clearly just so much more fun than the ones that mm-hmm. we spend most of our time with. So maybe if if their universe had taken over at the end of the last season it wouldn't have been such a tragedy well i do i must say i do prefer walter to walter knit walter's more fun on, yes on yeah our that's side. true that's true and the, the, the whole virtue of not being maniacally evil thing <laughs> there, there is that and then of course there's astrid on our side i mean i i don't know who's more fun i you know she's far more functional on our side of things but uh but yeah, I, you know, it's 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 just it's a, it's off to a solid start. So mm-hmm. it's nice to have some good solid genre TV. Uh, and unfortunately, on that theme, it was the Doctor Who finale this week on Saturday. And you know, it's one of those episodes for me where I liked it when I watched it, and then because of family commitments, I, I ended up watching it a little earlier than normal. And so I had a little downtime before I had to write my review. And so when I wrote my review, I liked it more. And as time has gone on, the more time I, I've I've sat with that the episode, I think I actually loved this episode. I think I, I really liked it. There was a lot of whimsy and in, uh, invention and creativity to it. There was it was a lot of fun. There, everybody got at least one awesome badass moment and a, at least one really interesting character moment. Um, it remind it sort of reminded us why we love these characters so much. And then there also was a shout out to one of my favorite companions from the original series, uh, Breeder Lethbridge Stewart, um, and the the actor Nicholas Courtney passed away in the past uh, several months, and so they had an, a nice little homage to him and reference. You know, the the doctor went tried to go visit him, and he had passed on, and it really informed his decisions. In, in the episode, the, the characters. So it was sort of a beautiful moment. And I was really glad that they spent the time on it. Um, I wish they would get William Russell, who was what, uh, who played um, Ian Chesterton, one of the very first companions on the series. The actor is in his, I think his late 80s, and he has not been on the new series yet. And I really wish they would get him on the show before it's too late and they end up doing another thing like this, referencing him. But 
uh, of course, Ian's one of my favorite companions. Anyways, uh, I really liked the episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. I think it it has promised um, good things for the future, and it I I, uh, I have faith in the moth to to pull it off. So it's a lot of fun. It's a good one. And of course, the uh, Sound Unsights Doctor Who podcast will be covering this as well. So I'm sure in the next few days. Uh, a, po- a podcast will go up, um, all looking at this episode in depth. And uh, I don't always agree with the crew over there, the Doctor Who podcast, but I uh, it's always fun to listen to them talk about it. So that's where I would suggest people check out. I, of course, have a review up on the website, and there's some comments, some back and forth there. It's a more um, mixed reaction than I expected, but uh, it's a lot of fun talking about it. So mm-hmm. uh, Next we have The Amazing Race on Sunday. Um I'll just briefly go through this one. The Chicago team is looking less awesome than I thought, unfortunately. The, the the team is still really good. It's just Cindy, the 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 woman of the couple, uh, needs to chill out a little bit. She's very headstrong, so if she starts freaking out this much over in the second episode, we'll see what happens when the stress really starts to get to her. But um, the cu- the couple who is from Survivor got kicked off, so. That kind of makes me happy because each of them had already won Survivor, so they did not need the million dollars. Um, and I'm liking there's a grandparents uh, uh, team. I'm liking them more. I like their chutzpah. And uh, though they seem to be prone to mistakes, so I don't know how long they'll last. But there's this brother and sister team that just they just need to go at this point. They're the they're the annoying team that I'm. I mean, it's kind of nice to have a team to root against, but. The, either they're getting a really terrible edit or they're just obnoxious people to spend time around. So we'll see what happens. But they're off to, I think they're in Indonesia this week. We'll see where they go next. But, oh, and I should mention the Olympic snowboarding dudes were completely awesome this week and uh, were smart and uh, one of the, the few teams to, to get this. There's this one trick that came up. Um, that required observation that they picked up on that a lot of people didn't. So I was, I'm enjoying them more than I thought I would. So more amazing race fun. Um, but let's move on to the good wife. Yes. Uh, and with one of my favorite people, Mr. Eddie Izzard showing up as a guest star. What did you think of this week's episode? I really thought that with Eddie Izzard and Alan coming on the same hour of television, we were going to succumb to a vortex of British smugness, even though, (laughs) <laughs> the Alan Cumming character isn't British, but still, like you just you just know while you're watching it that the, you you expect to fall into some sort of smug singularity. Uh, that being said, uh, I thought this episode was a lot of fun. Uh, they really milked the differences between the U.S. and U.K. court system and the whole webcam setup and the the uh, British uh, sorry the Scottish lawyer uh, who was who was quite amusing. Um, there's just a lot of nice little beats uh, this episode. I think my favorite was. A little moment that a lot of people might not have caught when um, when Will and uh, and Alicia are about to have an office quickie, and then um, Christine Baranski steps in and inadvertently stops them. And Will has this moment where he sort of pivots and he's about to go off somewhere, but instead he just sort of goes to the bookshelf and says, "There's a book." <laughs> that was just such a great little moment, and it's it's for those like slightly above average. Uh, you know, little touches that that really make the Good Wife uh, the in, in, insanely unhip but still very watchable show that it is. Yeah, I you know I really enjoy this show. It's just so reliable. And when there are these other 
shows, particularly the pilots that we were reviewing that are procedurals, it's like, you know what, this show, this is how you do a procedural. You have, there's a few elements that are, you know, longer, uh, stretched out over, over the series, but for the most part, it's a procedural and it's really good. I think it's really great. I, I we finally got, uh, Eli and and Kalinda getting a little time together, and I love Eli's re- reaction of "Where have you been all of my life?" <laughs> which I think was very fitting and appropriate. And so I'm I'm really going to enjoy uh, seeing them get to work together this season. And then the other thing besides you know the the case of the week, which I did really enjoy, um, the other thing that I liked is that apparently we're not going to get the annoying son sides with the father because he doesn't realize that the father's a scumbag kind of plot line that we got a little bit of last year. I liked that they got rid of that and that we're seeing Peter be straightforward with his with his kids and about the situation and very strongly saying, you know, don't blame your mother for what's going on. This is a, you know, this is not all on her sort of a thing. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just really liking the show. It's, it's good. And I'm hoping that Eddie Izzard comes back as one of the recurring lawyers maybe not as frequently as i'm hoping they bring michael j fox back but it would be nice to see him pop up every now and again Mm -hmm. Uh, just a couple more things i wanted to mention they should really ease up on the twitter mentions the tweeting mentions uh i for some reason it just really irks me maybe it's because i know that in 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 a few years if, if i ever revisit the show it probably won't have aged very well um, but also, uh, the last beat of the episode, I thought was a little bit ridiculous, you know, that the whole Will and, um, and, uh, I can never remember Christine Baranski's, uh, character, uh, character's name, uh, sort of having this ominous meeting about, oh, well, if she's working against the firm, we'll have to fire her. Like, really, that's the best you can do for stakes, guys. You're not going to fire her. Come on. She's the good <laughs> wife. She's sticking around. So, yeah, besides that, it was a pretty strong episode. Yeah. Um. Then the other things that were on Sunday that we should mention, um, Dexter had its series premiere, or season premiere, that is, um, but neither one of us follow Dexter week to week. I know there's been some interest at the site, so as ever, we are looking for contributors, so if anybody wants you know, wants to pop up and yoink Dexter to be uh, their show to review, please let us know. Um, also next, uh, we had the series premiere of Homeland, which we already reviewed that pilot a few weeks back. So you can go back to our, our, I believe it's the third episode and, and check out our thoughts there. But I think we both agree best new show. Yes, it's very strong and I'm very curious to see where it ends up. I'm, I'm, I'm actually excited to review it again next week and, and see where they've gone with it. Uh, great performances, generally quite strong writing, um, really well made. Yeah, so people should definitely be checking that one out, and you should. I, I think it should still be up, but they had the pilot up on the, the Showtime website a few weeks back, so I'd imagine that should still be around. So it gives you a chance to maybe take a look at it at a more leisurely or convenient time before deciding to commit to another Sunday show. And then uh, the last Sunday show is uh, next week, The Walking Dead is back, so we will be starting up the the Sound and Sight Walking Dead podcast. Um, and we're both going to be on that, of course, with, with Ricky, and that'll be a separate thing. So I imagine we'll uh, be doing a very brief sort of synopsis of our thoughts on here and then leaving the more in-depth discussion of that for, for that podcast. Yes. But now let's move on to the the final show that we're going to be reviewing uh, this week before our episode spotlight, and that's How I Met Your Mother. 
This week's How I Met Your Mother, episode three. I introduced Kel Penn, who's going to be on for a while. Uh, what did you think? I didn't realize, actually, that Kel Penn was going to be uh, sticking around, so that's interesting. Um, it was all right. I, it, it leaned pretty heavily on the uh, on, on their sort of usual editing style of cutting back and forth, uh, in a chronologically speaking. Uh, we also got a quick cutaway to what I assume is uh, much later in the season, wherein um, Allison Hannigan's character is giving birth. Another sign that they know where they're headed, which is I, I think always good. Um, but I mean, it was it was just an okay episode. I thought it it it, it leaned pretty heavily on the uh, Neil Patrick Harris reformed horn dog routine, which is not their most interesting. Uh, I I did enjoy the. Um, Jason Siegel, Jason Radner stuff uh, quite a bit. I wasn't expecting to, but I, I thought they 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 went a fairly amusing route with that. That being said, not their strongest episode. Certainly not this season anyway. Yeah, it's definitely not as strong as last week's uh, episode, but I, I still enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it more than, than you did. Um, I liked, and it's uh, before we get emails, it's Josh Radner. Um, I liked his his stuff with, you know, the salt and pepper and cumin and the nice little um, thing they had at the end of the episode with the different Halloween costumes, which was, I think, a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I think that Cal Penn works really well with Colby Smulders, and I liked the conceit of it. I like that, you know, it's another example of why Robin and and uh, Ted are friends. That same storytelling um, structure I thought was, was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, so I think it's been a still even with this not as strong episode i think it's been a strong season for them so far and i look forward to following following it you know for the rest of the season it seems like they know where they're going so should yeah. be good um now we're going to take a quick break and and we'll come back with our episode spotlight on breaking beds uh end times which aired on sunday this week so we'll be right back after this We Are Born When We Die by Apollo Sunshine, one of the songs featured in this week's episode of Breaking Bad, End Times. So we're going to keep this uh, on the briefer side of things because next week, rather than doing our standard DVD shelf, we're going to have Ricky on and we're going to do a full season spotlight on Breaking Bad's fourth season. Um, but I am very interested to, to hear your thoughts because I know that we disagree about this episode a bit. So what did you think of End Times? 
Well, I'm, I'm not going to go as far as Ricky did in calling this the worst episode in Breaking Bad history. <laughs> he's not; he's more prone to hyperbole than I am. Um, this was a really frustrating episode for me. I mean, I think we had a, a few incredibly strong moments as be, befitting, you know, sort of this stretch of Breaking Bad. Uh, particularly, the last scene was was just an, a, a typically a nail biter, as well as the confrontation between Jesse and Walt. I think the difficulty for me in this episode, and it's 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 hard to comment on in a way because we don't exactly know how it's going to play out, but the whole Brock poisoning plot point to me was just a really hackneyed move. I mean, we don't know yet who's responsible. The, the, I think the I mean the characters know who they think is responsible, um, but especially the the aspect of Jesse who has been, I think, increasingly intelligent over the last little while, and certainly, it certainly has, has, has really stepped up. The whole aspect of him immediately jumping to the conclusion that Walt was responsible and then forcing this admittedly uh, great scene, um, this just, it, it just struck me as bizarre. And then, if, you know, and if this was part of Gus's plan, that makes no sense to me. Uh, if it wasn't part of a plan, like, for instance, if it was just if if the whole rice and cigarette thing was just Jesse screwing up, then that's almost as bad because it's just an an insanely awkward coincidence. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you you seem to be a, a, a much bigger fan of this week than I am. Yes, I loved this episode, and I thought it was the best of the season and one of the best of the series. So I think it's really interesting um, how how much. Yeah, the, just the disparity between us. Um, first of all, I, I'll get to the, the Brock thing. Um, I have a particular theory on that, but I'll get get there. But I want to start out with, finally, finally we get shown, rather than told, that Skylar and Walt love each other. This is the first time that I can think of in the entire series that we've actually seen any sort of strong affection for, between these two characters and it doesn't go as far as to you know take back the lack of you know like I've I've and I've spent weeks on here complaining that I don't understand why Skylar is staying with Walt and after the scene that we got at the start of this episode I do I understand and I'm with I I can completely buy into her decisions regarding that now but they needed to have something Maybe not this extreme, but they needed to have something like this far sooner in the series, if not just specifically this season. But I thought that was a fantastic scene and one that was we were really that had been sorely missing. So there's that. And then also I liked, of course, Saul's always good. Um, always a lot of fun. But I thought that the the Brock poisoning thing, I can see why people don't like it, and I can see why people have a problem. You know, like I can see why they don't think it makes sense or it feels contrived to them. I think that it was actually a really bold and brilliant move because it's one that I don't think anybody saw coming. I didn't. I d certainly didn't see it coming. I didn't see that. I mean, that cigarette was, of course, still hanging around. But I did not see something like this happening with it. Um, personally, I'm leaning towards... Um, well, I do think Gus is totally capable and willing to poison a child. 
I think it'll be more interesting if it's actually his number two, whose name escapes me at the moment, who's responsible. Uh, Tyrus? Tyrus, yeah. I would think it'd be more interesting if he's responsible and it's sort of power play maybe setting up for next season. I don't know, but I, I, I really, it didn't bother me. Yes, the notion that Gus is always 10 steps ahead or whatever um, seems a bit um, easy and contrived, but we don't necessarily know that that's the case. We don't know really what's going on yet. We only know what Walt and Jesse think. And I do think that it'll be interesting to see what, I mean, because of course, uh, Gus doesn't have Mike there to bounce ideas off of because Mike is still, I would assume, stuck in Mexico healing. Um, and so I think the only thing that's going to make him uh, I don't see him sticking around next season. I don't see how the show can work like that. So he's got a something has to happen with him. And the only thing I can see bringing him down are his own mistakes. And I think underestimating Jesse has been a huge mistake of his and is the, going to be the one that eventually does bring him down in some way next week. And I thought that, I, I mean, I don't really care if, if the, the Brock poisoning thing is contrived because it gave us so many fantastic scenes and i would say the best of all of them this week is that amazing parking garage scene we got i mean <laughs> yeah how long I, mean, I was at the edge of my seat i had my head sort of in like a thinker pose <laughs> on my on my uh on my hand and i was completely engaged not like that was a master class intention and i know that's something we've said about this series before but how long was that scene? No dialogue. I mean, practically no dialogue from Walt. Um, just standing, staring and looking and watching somebody think. And I thought that, I thought it was amazing. I, I did think it was great that we got back Walt the chemist this week. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been wondering how long it was going to take them to, to break out the Walt makes home-cooked explosives again. Oh, and uh, I'm glad we didn't have Walt somehow magically providing a cure for the ricin poisoning. I was worried that they were going to go there, so I'm glad they didn't. Uh, that had never occurred to me. Uh, but on, on the subject of the of the Walt and Skyler stuff, I mean, it was a nice scene. I'm not really sure it felt all that earned to me. I mean, I, I in general, I feel like... Uh, I, it's funny, I feel like we've swapped places. I feel like the actualization of Skyler has been really... Uh, problematic this season i don't think we spent enough time with her individually really uh to make the character and end their relationship work um I, th I think if there had been more tenderness previously established in the show that scene might have worked a bit better to me it, it felt a little bit sudden i mean i i understand that they're in this seemingly life and death situation but it it, it felt a little bit over the top uh by the show's standards and i it, it didn't feel totally earned um, I did like the stuff with with Hank and his partner. I mean, I'm I'm always happy mm -hmm. for for more Hank content, and I and I really liked um, the way Gomez gets into the laundry with, with this <laughs> insanely complicated ruse uh, in which he invents a senator. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. The, the, I mean, the 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 option that Tyrus did the poisoning. I mean, it, it makes sense. At least I think that's the. I mean, that I hadn't heard that idea floated around before. It's the idea that I think makes the most sense. Um, it's still not what I would like this whole thing to be pivoting on. I mean, you mentioned that, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it is, you're right. It is something that nobody, no one would see coming right now. I would say no one would see it coming because it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Um, especially if it's something that, if, if it's something that Gus organized, I'm going to be really upset because 
just Gus's actions over this episode in particular just seemed really strange, especially the whole hospital visit and letting um, and letting him take time off from this insanely lucrative venture uh, just seemed really, really odd. Uh, I mean, I mean, it. I think it makes sense personally, because the last thing that you want in your lab is a chemist who's distracted and not paying attention because he's all of his focus is on his injured sort of quasi son. So as much as he may need or want Jesse to be in production more than anything else, he wants him to not, you know, provide, make a bad batch that creates bigger problems for him. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's really tricky. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it pans out next week. And by the way, I, I think I may have gotten spoiled on something for next week, which I won't, I obviously won't disclose here, but uh, I, I hope that's not the case because this is a show I'd really like to not get spoiled on. But yeah, you can sort of see the seeds of it maybe this week, and uh, I don't know how I feel about that either. But of course, that might not even be true. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm just I, I see where you're coming from in terms of the whole Walton Skyler thing. To me, it, it just it felt a little bit out of the blue. Um, it. it it feels to me like it's weird because I often complain about shows that don't that uh, that that squander their 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 uh, their their 22, 24, 25 season orders. Breaking Bad has a much shorter season, but I think to me the real issue with this season has been one of pacing, because we we, we did get, I mean the after that incredible opening we did get eight episodes or so which which went quite slowly. And the pace has been so accelerated over the last few weeks. And I really do feel like they could have made the Walton Skyler stuff work really strongly. And they could have spent more time with Jesse and and his go and, and, and his girlfriend and Brock. And they could have made these things really work. Instead they decided to go for this I don't even want to call it a burn, it's that slow. Um, and that that has its its benefits as well, uh, but I'm not sure it really served the characters as best as possible. The problem of doing so much slow burn followed by such an intense pace, uh, it, for me, is not that inherent issue. It's the fact that in their desired, uh, it's the fact of how they spent their slow burn and how they've spent their fast pace. If if they had spent just a little more time with Jesse, with Jesse and Andrea. Um, and Brock, then I think that would have helped if they had spent just a little more time with Walton or Skylar and her what she, her personality, like what what she's thinking and dealing with. And then I think this would have worked better at the end of the season. But I mean, I I do think that Vince Gilligan has earned our trust though at this point. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see after next week how we feel, like how our opinions on this episode may have been affected, assuming we get more of a resolution to the Brock situation next week. Mm-hmm. Um, will that affect your opinion of it? If, if say, whatever happens, um, you decide that you actually are cool with the direction they went, like the reasoning for that plot line, will that, do you think that'll change your opinion of this episode or no? Maybe. I mean... Uh, there's there's so many balls in the air, and I mean whatever happens, it's it's still absolutely one of the best things uh, on on TV. I think in general, I'm I I don't feel like season four has been quite as strong as as season three. I think uh, season three was a little bit more unified, a little bit more uh, consistent, uh, which is ironic because they seem to be doing it quite piecemeal. Um, 
as opposed to maybe this season and certainly the season before. It's it, it's gone a, a little bit of the way of, of Madden in its fourth season in a way. It's had some great highs, and maybe not lows like like Madman had, but I, I think there's just been a a slight loss of, of narrative confidence, uh, just a little bit. I mean, we'll have to see where that ends up next week, but um, not as strong, I think, as the last two weeks were, which were both, I think, uh, landmark installments for the season, definitely. What I think is uh, interesting about the show and actually makes it a lot of fun is for this week to, to peer behind the curtain a little bit for our listeners, you, you would express interest in maybe spotlighting a different episode, a different show this week, since we're going to spend so much time on Breaking Bad next week. Yeah. Um, and then, at least, for, I know that you're not any, you know, you have a lot of problems with this episode, but for me, it was absolutely one of my favorites. And finishing watching the episode, it was one of those, well, yeah, we have to talk about Breaking Bad this week, because it just blows yeah. everything else out of the water. You watch Breaking Bad, and then you watch almost any other TV show, even their best episode, and it's it just doesn't compare you know, nobody else is right now, at least, is making television or movies or any sort of you know <laughs> media like this this good. I, I don't think they're they're quite at their at their best this week, but I, I do think um, as much as I, I would like to to vary, to vary things, I think that as long as as the season's going, it's definitely worthy of extended discussion. I mean, certainly in terms of I mean, we get Vince Gilligan actually directing this week, which is not. Not as big a deal as it is when sometimes other showrunners direct, uh, but it's it's still interesting. He he's very fond of, of the uh, the time lapse photography and some of the other uh, tricks that they that they throw around. And um, and I I also really like the use of music as as usual uh, in this episode. But um, yeah, I mean it's all about next week. It's really all about that finale. And uh, it, it's a lot of pressure to put on one episode, but I mean that's what the finales are for. And to, it, to its credit, Breaking Bad's never had a bad finale. I mean, the season two finale was sort of was a little bit over, maybe overthought, a little bit uh, too coincidental. Uh, but this, I thought the season three finale was pitch perfect. Um, and I'm I'm hoping they can really nail it next week and really uh, redeem some of the I think sketchier aspects of the season. It'll definitely be a fun discussion next week. Before we move on to our DVD shelf segment with guest Rich Smith from the Simply Syndicated family of podcasts, um, the, a few closing notes. Of course, you can always reach us by emailing the Televerse at gmail and gmail.com. And then, of course, Simon, you're on Twitter. At uh, Sucker Howell. And I'm at the Televerse. You can leave uh, comments on the podcast page for uh for the episode or you know hit us up on twitter hit us up on email we're always looking for new contributors uh, especially for weekly writing about series especially if we're not covering them uh it's always appreciated we're, we're trying to populate the tv section of send on site with a little bit more content i mean yeah what you and i write is brilliant and perfect kate but uh we would we would like a little bit more um and i think that's that's about it the thing i wanted to add is that I know people are listening because I talk to them. And so I'm I'm talking to you, Dan and Sean, and some of the other people that I know are to, are listening right now. Send us a you know a, tw- a tweet, send us a, a email. I want to hear back from them what they want us to talk about and or what they thought of of the week. So um, if we let's shoot for one comment on the website this week. 
I look forward to what uh, you guys thought of, of this week in TV and uh, your thought. I mean, tell us who you agree with about Breaking Bad. How about something as simple as that? Let's get some more comments to your review and, and to the site. Yeah, for sure. We'll be back after this short break with uh, Rich Smith from Simply Syndicated talking Quantum Leap, which was, I think, a lot of fun. So uh, stick around. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Televerse with your hosts, Kate Kalsik and Simon Howell. And it's time for a stop at the DVD shelf. This week, to talk Quantum Leap, we're excited to welcome guest host Rich Smith from the Simply Syndicated family of podcasts. So how many podcasts are you on at this point? It's got to be, what, at least four? Me, personally, I think it's four or five, something like that, <laughs> Yeah. at the moment. You've lost count? Yeah. Well, there's some that are recording that haven't been released yet, and there's other ones that are coming back. So I think sort of by the end of the year, it's going to be about six. Yeah, I'm I'm barely managing one. So uh, well done, sir. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I never said I was managing. <laughs> but thank you. Anyway. So what was it about Quantum Leap that prompted you to choose it for this segment? Well, it's it's kind of funny. I'm kind of known for talking about Star Trek more than anything, I think. Mm-hmm. What we're, we're doing, make it so for so long and, and stuff like that. And I think Quantum Leap... It, it's, it just doesn't get the attention it deserves because it's perfect. It's a brilliant show, and everybody likes it. I've never met anyone that doesn't like Quantum Leap. It, it's got a special place in everybody's heart, and it just it just doesn't get the attention it deserves. I mean, the number of times when we've considered trying to do, in some way, a Quantum Leap podcast, and, and then just... It's a difficult thing to do a whole sort of you know you can do a show about it like this but to do a whole series about it is is a lot uh and so i just it doesn't get the attention it deserves and it's it's possibly after star trek the second greatest television program ever made (laughs) saying that though i've recently discovered the wire and that's just destroyed my opinions of everything (laughs) it's that's i used to think it was star trek then quantum leap and i'm trying to come to terms with where the wire goes in that it's a pretty simple progression really <laughs> yeah you can, you can just connect the dots there oh that's 
That's sorry. That's that's just hilarious, and I absolutely uh, feel your pain with that. It's I have difficulty trying to, you know, Buffy versus all the different, you know, Rome and Deadwood, and yeah, it's kind of hard to compare the different genres. It's it's just tricky, yeah, because I, I I find myself thinking maybe The Wire is the best television program ever made. Maybe it is, but then where does Star Trek go? Maybe, <laughs> you know. Maybe I just need to segregate things a bit more, put things into categories. To take it back to Quantum Leap, um, I would actually have to strongly agree with you because I had never caught up with Quantum Leap until you, you chose it for this. And so I went back and watched, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch too many episodes, but, you know, the the pilot and some of the highlights throughout the season and then the series and then the finale. And I was really, really impressed. It's just so easy to watch. It's like popcorn for your eyes. It's not chewing gum, it's popcorn. It's more fun than chewing gum. And you can just sit and get caught up in it. And it's one of those things, if it's just on TV, if you if you just come to it halfway through an episode, you can sit and watch the rest of that episode, no problem. Simon, what was your experience with Quantum Leap? Uh, you know, I came to Quantum Leap uh, backwards because, uh, of course, earlier this year I saw Source Code, which is now being developed as a TV series, which is a whole other deal. And uh, I, I don't know if you've seen Source Code, Rich, but there's a, a major Quantum Leap reference in it. Right, well, I haven't seen that yet. Um, yeah, actually, Scott Bakula makes a vocal cameo, and it's and the and the movie itself has a very Quantum Leap-esque concept, very very much indebted to Quantum Leap. Uh, but I'd never seen it before until uh, I was prompted to uh, buy this segment. So I caught, I watched some of the suggested materials. I watched the first two episodes. And uh, then I skipped ahead to the JFK special and then the trilogy. Uh, it's a really interesting show. It's very much of its time, uh, absolutely, uh, particularly in the casting and just the, the way certain things were handled, especially I, I'd love to talk about the JFK episode in more detail because that fascinates me. Um, but I'm curious to, to watch more and see, uh, see what, what its strange little corners are like. I, I do find it amusing the way the show skirts around some of its creepier implications, uh, particularly <laughs> in the trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, it was just so much, uh, such a fun discovery for me. Cause it's one of those shows that people always say, you know, like in, in, especially in the nerd realm, people always have an affinity for, it will come up in the conversation, but usually after Star Trek, after Battlestar, after these other big series. And it just, I mean, it, it should go without saying, of course, but Scott Bagula and Dean Stockwell are just so incredibly likable, and they're so strong in, in their roles. I, I didn't know this until doing some research the other day, but uh, not only was Quantum Leap nominated for the Emmy for Best Drama three of the five years that it was on, but the uh, the two leads were nominated for Emmys every single year. Um, they're both nominated, except for the first year, um, and they each ended up winning a Golden Globe. And so to have such a, a big hole in my in my uh, TV uh, knowledge was it was actually looking back on it pretty pretty terrible. But yeah, it's just it's just so likable. Yeah, there's there's nothing to not like, and I think Scott Bakula and, and Dean Stockwell are good together as well. Mm -hmm. They're they're such a great pairing on screen, and the chemistry between them is is really good. And I think that's why people wanted to see them back because they did a. A Star Trek Enterprise episode together. I'll have to catch up with that. That was uh, one of the. I think it was season three. I think it was one of the Zindi episodes. But they they made a point of getting Dean Stockwell in. I think. Well, because uh, I'm 
I'm more familiar with him from I've seen some of his early earlier film work, and then uh, of course on Battlestar he's fantastic. And my exposure to Scott Bakula was much more limited, you know, Enterprise somewhat, but then you know films here and there. And so yeah, it was a real discovery for me. Yeah, Scott Bakula's never really taken off in movies so much, has he? There haven't yeah. really been any big roles. I think the biggest one that I remember him being in was uh, American Beauty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which but is he has because I think he's a great actor. He has had a really interesting career in TV, though. I mean, even uh, all the way up to Men of a Certain Age, which is not a genre show at all, mm-hmm. uh, on which he's he's quite good. Yeah, this has actually prompted me. I've, I've been meaning to go back and check out Men of a Certain Age for a while because I keep hearing such great things about it. But this has really prompted me to, to, to go check that out because I really enjoyed him here. So I'm sure he must be great on Men of a Certain Age. All right. I've never heard of that before. Oh, yeah. It's a show on, I believe it's TNT over here. And it's Andre Brower, uh, Scott Bakula, Ray Romano as a group of friends um, of you know, men of a certain age dealing with life and, and all of that. And uh, apparently it's it's really really good so just got cancelled after its second season all right well it'll be cheap on dvd then i suppose that's true <laughs> there is that speaking of uh almost cancelled or cancelled uh quantum leap was almost cancelled after its third season due to its low ratings but then came back via a letter writing campaign which i thought was pretty interesting i didn't know that they were doing that back in the early 90s but i guess you know it was one of the first ones i remember that ever happening about uh it was it was it felt huge when they decided to cancel it. It was a big gaping hole in our lives. And it, I mean, particular. Have, have either of you seen the final episode? Yeah. I, I want to talk about that, by the way. It's one of my favorite endings of any TV series. It, it ends it so nicely. And to think that it could have just been cut off at the end of season three without that ending would have been heartbreaking. I think the ending is amazing, and it's one of those ones that I've seen mentioned several times as one of the worst series endings, but I think it's perfect. I, I totally agree. I think it's it was done as well as it could be done, because it was one of those tricky things, kind of like uh, like Star Trek Voyager. Look, I try not to talk about Star Trek and end up comparing <laughs> everything to it. The end of Star Trek Voyager, they were either going to get home or they weren't, mm-hmm. and and that's the only way that could have ended. Uh, and and Quantum Leap was the same. He was either going to get home and give it up, or he wasn't. And the way they they made it, just that nice kind of no, he just he never went home. He he just floated around the universe doing nice things. It leaves you with a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling inside. Oh, interesting. Because for me, it's it's such it's a bit of a gut punch. It's a bit of a oh man, especially because he in that the finale, he so strongly expresses a desire to get home. To have it just that title card, he never returned home. I was just, I don't know. I think it. It's interesting that we like it for such, you know. Can we have completely different uh, reactions to it? I think that's interesting. Uh, do you know what that is though? That's the the the, the age old internal conflict of the superhero. Ah. That yes. is that I don't want to be Spider Man, but I am, so I have to do these things. With great power comes great responsibility, and all that <laughs> sort of thing. So, you know, he might want it to have gone home, but he's he's putting right what once went wrong. You can't just stop doing that and go, yeah, I've helped the world enough. He's got that responsibility to keep going. And what I think is interesting about that ending is that it's not one that the creators wanted. They want they If they were going to end, they had this other ending scene they wanted to do with Al and his wife and all of that. And and for for once, I think the network and the studio brass or whatever got it completely right, and the creators 
their ending wouldn't have been as powerful, I think. So it's interesting. Yeah. I was wondering, I, I... Rich, uh, sorry, I was wondering if, were the, if there were any specific uh, non-finale episodes you wanted to highlight. Well, I think the, the, there's a few that stick in my mind and have just stayed with me. The Stephen King episode, which I since learned was not a Stephen King episode. It just featured <laughs> Stephen King as a character. That one scared the life out of me the first time I watched it, which I feel a bit wussy about now having watched it back because it's not really that scary. Uh, but I, I remember watching that for the first time and just being terrified and it being just this completely out of the blue departure from a lot of other episodes. Suddenly the devil was in the in Quantum Leap. And it's, what, where's this come from? And it's Al and... Sorry, I've just spoiled that episode. Um, <laughs> it's okay. It's been, but, what, over 10 years? We're fine. <laughs> yeah, I think if you've not seen it by now. Um, so there's that. You've got the the Leap Home episodes, mm -hmm. which are, you know, a great little duo of episodes where he's, he's himself and then one of his, his brother's comrades in war. Um um, and, speaking of, of, I just want to interject here, uh, because I, I didn't get to watch the second of those two, but I watched the first of those, and there's a moment in there that I think is completely um, touching and beautiful and, and also a bit heartbreaking, where, um, because th this episode is the one where he leaps into his teenage body and sees the opportunity to warn his brother, who he knows will be killed in Vietnam in a few years, and, uh, and his sister in a few years will go off with an abusive boyfriend is so he's trying to warn them and to prove to his sister that he's from the future he sings imagine and it's just this beautiful and heartbreaking scene because the sister goes from just you know playing along or whatever to absolutely believing him just because of the the song and she knows her brother doesn't write music and ah, it's just it's so i mean because as simon you mentioned earlier it is a, a somewhat dated series i mean the the music particularly the background music and um some of the writing and acting choices are, are definitely of the time, but I felt that episode, particularly that moment, was absolutely timeless and totally worked. Sorry, yeah, I, just... I, I would even admit that I think some of the music in it was a bit dated then when it first came out. <laughs> but see, I mean, the song they released as a single, oh. uh, I don't know if you came across that. There's an episode where he, he sings a song on a piano and they put it out as a single. I don't know how well it did. I assume oh, it did. my. I assume it did appallingly. Yeah, because he has a nice enough voice, but it's not, No, you know. he's not a great vocalist, is he? He's, he's passable in this context. Yeah. I think. Well, and the, the theme song is also this, you know, just delightfully, you know, late 80s, early 90s synth, you know? It's yeah. just so... It, like, when you... We like the the music we use to to of course transition to this segment is the quantum leap theme song and the introduction and there it just there's something about that sort of sound that puts you immediately into that time period. Yes, uh, part of the never ending 1980s ass assault by Mike Post on all of our senses. Well, you know, Twin Peaks has the same sort of you know synths kind of sound too, and it was at the same time. It's just yeah. <laughs> Very, very of its time. Um, sorry, but I, I interrupted you, uh, Rich. Are there any other episodes that are particular favorites for you? Uh, let's have a thing. Of course, there's the aforementioned Lee Harvey Oswald episode or mm -hmm. episodes. Um, what was it that you wanted to come back to about that one in particular? Uh, well, I thought it was interesting uh, because it felt to me very much like a very, uh, a very clear response to 
yeah, can, the can, you know the JFK conspiracy culture of the time, and especially Oliver Stone's movie uh, JFK. You know, it's it, it it's funny because it takes this very contrarian stance and supports the official record, <laughs> which is yeah. which is an interesting idea. Um, but what I liked is the fact that it uses quantum leap fake science to prop up the official story, <laughs> which is a really a really interesting idea. And then, of course, it has that that last twist at the end, which is just which I think for me was a serious jaw dropping WTF moment. Like, wow, they really went there with that, huh? Okay. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I think it's from a from a dramatic device point of view, it's easier if you just go with the official story. Um it, it well, just Red makes Wharf. the whole Yeah. That um, was a pretty good one, but yeah. Yeah, that would have been an interesting way of doing it. Sam was the guy who shot JFK. Um <laughs> that would have yeah, that would have become spiracy nuts busy for years. Um but hey, I enjoyed that one. That was one of the, again, it was a, de- a nice departure. Well, and, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, the, of the episodes I watched, it was the only one to feature such a strong influence of the person that he leaps into. And for that reason, I thought it was incredibly creepy just to watch this character that I so quickly grown attached to lose control and lose himself inside this, this figure. I mean, whether or not it's accurate to the the historical figure is a completely different discussion. Just dramatically, I thought it was very effective. Yeah, I agree with that. He's oh, um, uh, he's good sinister. Is Scott Bakula. unless uh, unless Leo Harvey Oswald was a was a Tim Heidecker lookalike and possibly also uh, um, someone you see on a pedophile lineup. I, I don't think <laughs> historical accuracy was was too important to them in terms of his characterization. Oh man. Um, now, one of the other ones we made sure to catch up with was the trilogy uh, from season five. And I'm interested what you guys think of it. First of all, it's fun to see Melora Hardin, who American listeners might know as Jan from the American office. To see her in such a different role here was fun. But um, what did you guys think of the, the trilogy <laughs> as a whole, but then also each of the individual parts? I don't know if some were more successful than others for you guys. I enjoyed I, I, the whole thing. Sorry, go I, ahead. I was just—I was going to say for for sheer creepiness, I think it's hard to beat the second part. Um, <laughs> as as you mentioned when we first discussed it, Kate, I, I do think the third suffers from that ridiculous courtroom climax. <laughs> uh, but the whole thing does—I mean, it has a lot of uh, really fun use of uh, of the central concept and uh, lots of lots of fodder for eager slash fic writers if they're into that. Yeah, you see, just just talking about this just makes me realize that. They've never done anything I didn't like. And maybe if I, I don't know, I'm, I think I could maybe sit and pull it apart if I really wanted to. Maybe it isn't perfect, but I've I've just loved every episode of it. I'm just looking through the uh, complete episode guide now just to make sure that there's nothing in particular I've missed. And it's, I remember every episode perfectly. And they're they're all just lovely to watch. Well, one of the things that I like about the series, and this is something that I think I, if I recall correctly, they were talking about on the Paul Goebel show uh, a couple weeks back, is that it's actually an anthology series. It's, I mean, it's, it's basically like the closest thing I could compare it to is like the Twilight Zone, where you take these, you have two main characters who we follow through, but other than that, it's a completely new story every week, you know, barring the occasional two-parter or the trilogy. 
And, um, and of course, there's the Jimmy sequel that we get. But on the most part, you know, it's, if you don't like one episode, you don't like the setting or it doesn't interest you, then come back the next week and you'll probably like that one. And so I think it's very um, it's a very user-friendly sort of show. Yeah. And I, I think they did a good job of staying away from uh, sort of cliched episodes within a season. Uh, for example, I'm going to go back to Star Trek again, sorry. Um, <laughs> sort of in Next Gen, you, you, had, you could guarantee a certain number of particular types of episodes in each season. You've got, a, you've got a holodeck, uh, uh, Counselor Troy gets a headache, you've got something goes wrong with Data, uh, Riker gets off with someone he really shouldn't have got off with, and, and various things like that. Those things are going to happen in every season. And they, I would maybe there were a couple with Quantum Leap. Maybe you've got to make sure he becomes a woman one episode, <laughs> or something that would cause problems, like becoming a the episode where he's a monkey, or mm. the episode where he plays the guy who's lost his legs, that sort mm. of thing. But other than that, each one was just completely different. Like you say, it was if if you don't like it this week, come back next week. It's a different show. The the many transformations of, of Sam that you mentioned also uh, brings to mind that I think, aside from maybe Buffy, this has to be one of the shows that would make, you know, cultural studies or, or film studies or television studies students just salivate thinking about because, the, the, you know, the implications of what Sam does, even if the show doesn't always go into it, uh, are, are really intense, um, it's, especially in terms of, you know, he's, he's going into women or he's going into, uh, you know, a black character or an animal and, you know, that's territory that you generally don't see much on TV. And, you know, that's I think I think that's another one of the reasons that the show is, is so uh, is so addictive, because it, it's it's willing to even if it doesn't necessarily explore it, you know, in in as much depth as you as as you might expect if it were made today. Uh, I, I do think it's up to a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah. And one of the things. I mean, this is kind of going back to my earlier comment about how likable the characters are, but one of the things that really surprised me is how little it bugged me, um, just how, how frequently Sam was getting laid, basically. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, it drives me nuts watching Star Trek, original Star Trek, that is, with, with Kirk, because it's just, it, it that element of the character just is completely ridiculous and drives me nuts. But... Here, it didn't bother me at all. And so I, I don't know if that has more to do with maybe a, an affinity for the character or the or the actor. But, yeah, and, and when he's jumping into... I, yeah, the, the morality of it didn't bother me in a way I feel like it probably should have. <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky, isn't it? Because it's slightly different. Because every week when Sam gets laid, it's not really Sam doing it. It is, but it's it's not really. He's being someone else. Whereas when Kirk does it, it's Kirk every week. You know, that's like, of course he's going to get laid. He's Captain Kirk. Whereas Sam, it's, it's not so much, you know. He's, he kind of, you always get the feeling that he does it because he has to, except for when it's oh, dramatically yeah, sure. suited to make him need to. Oh, yeah, that's... You notice he, he does, he's not getting laid that much when he's the chick. Yeah, they never did that, did they? That's a good point. They <laughs> never went there. Well, because I guess technically it's his body that's teleporting as well um and with just sort of a aura that makes other people see the original person and that's how he is able to to father sammy joe in the trilogy um so yeah i don't understand really how that yeah i, I think it's, it's one of those things we're not supposed to think about it? yeah 
You'd need a lot of explanation there that wouldn't have been suitable on a show that went on at this time. And speaking of things you're you're not supposed to think about, it's also quite clear when he does father Sammy Joe that like he still retains some of the aura of still being her father, which is something they talk about a couple of times, but nobody ever connects those dots. Yeah, unfortunately I did. It was kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also doesn't he have a wife in the future? He does. Yeah. But <laughs> Oh, they cover yeah, that. They, they go into how his his brain gets Swiss cheese and he can't really remember his wife. So very conveniently, right. I might add. <laughs> yeah, if you don't remember you're married, it doesn't matter what you do. That's the rule, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Um, and I do think that they do a great job on this show of it's Swiss cheese brain, or it went a little caca. Just you know, it's not worth it for us to explain exactly just just go with us and i think that's better than like the few times they try to use uh technical mumbo jumbo it's i end up like frowning at my screen incredulously so i i enjoy that they just kind of go uh you know kind of like with doctor who timey-wimey just move on so yeah uh, it's you you either go one way or the other i mean you've got the the star trek route which is let's explain everything and do books about how the ship works and have actual physicists decide how it should work and then there's the star wars route which is just make it look dirty and let's not mention it <laughs> you know how does the millennium falcon work we don't know it doesn't matter it just works you don't need to know whereas you know there'll be people who will t sit and tell me exactly how a warp drive works or how the, he did the castle run in parsecs yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and quantum leaps the same you don't it just went wrong done <laughs> that's, that's all you need to know it went wrong you, what are you going to do help them fix it you don't need to know what went wrong you just need to know it went wrong in the and in the same way the the show's concept of of right and wrong and the idea that the universe runs on it is deliberately very simple at least in, in the in the shows that i saw yeah you know no the it, idea it that he, is. he goes back to, to to make right something that's wrong and the universe thinks that it's wrong and he must make it right, which is, which is, I think, one of the reasons that I don't necessarily think this might uh, chafe a bit, but I, I don't really think of Quantum Leap, based on what I've seen, as a pure sci-fi series. To, to, to me, it's, it's more, I mean, the fact that it was nominated for, for Best Drama at the Emmys makes sense, because to me, it, it ultimately is a drama that just happens to have this sci-fi underpinning that it, you know, that it spends five of its 45 minutes on every week. Well, that's the thing. It's not really sci-fi, is it? It's just... The, there's a MacGuffin that that allows you to allows him to travel in time, but it's it's much more. And it's 1952, or sorry, that's before his time stream. It's 1955, and now it's 1978. It you know it's so there's there's no science to it, so it's not really science fiction. We should probably wrap things up. Uh, are there any final thoughts that either of you have? No, I just think if if you haven't seen every episode of Quantum Leap, go and get them on DVD. And just sit and watch them one after the other. There are worse ways to spend a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see true. that as like a nice like New Year's marathon or something. Just like stay in for the day. Um, though we, I should mention that the the DVDs, I believe all of them, but definitely some of the earlier seasons have temp music on them that, in some some cases, you know, strongly negatively impact the the episodes. There's a couple moments in particular um but on netflix streaming then it's all the original music so i would say if you have that option check it out on netflix um simon 
Uh, yeah, I, I think definitely uh, I'm going to be curious to see more of it. Um, we, I, I work at a video store, uh, Rich. We have the first three seasons, and I think I'm probably going to uh, make my way through. Uh, do you have a favorite season, or do you just indiscriminately love all of it? Just looking over at the uh, episode guide, I actually think season five is the best season. I think there's just a, a nicer ratio of really good episodes in there. They're, I think they're all good, but I think the, be- the the biggest concentration of good episodes is season five. Cool. Yeah, I would just say it was a, a lovely surprise for me, so thank you for, for choosing this one, uh, Rich, because it was on my list to get to eventually, but I wouldn't have gotten to it for years probably, so, so I'm glad to have had some time with Sam Beckett and Al. Um, so, Rich, where can our listeners find you online? Oh, well, the easiest way, just go to simplysyndicated.com, and there you'll find all the shows that we're putting out at the moment. I think there's about 18 on the go. Yeah, moment. but they're they're pretty much all great too. Uh, I listen to I spent far too much time listening to Simply Syndicated, probably. Oh, there's no such thing as spending too much. To, yeah, there is actually. <laughs> <I think. laughs> it's not good for your health. Uh, but I suppose I'm on uh, uh, movies you should see, which has just come back for another season. We we took our first break off. We've pretty much been doing it for about six years straight, uh, and so we took the summer off, and we're we're back now. Um, you guys took a break. What a novel idea! I, I've been I sorry. I've been on a I've been on a movie podcast for the last uh, almost four years, and we, the idea of taking a break has never occurred to us. Wow! It never occurred to anyone in podcasting. I don't think it was just <laughs> we we invented this thing, and then everybody just sort of said, "Well, you should do the show every week." Well, for how long? Well, forever. This <laughs> should all. Well, I can't do that, and so we decided. Yeah, we need a couple of months off because. We're sick of the sight of each other, and none of us like films anymore. And so, you know, a couple of months off, but we're back now. Uh, Rich Daly, which I'm just taking a little bit, a couple of weeks off because we're remodeling the house, and I'm basically I'm coming to you from a building site at the moment. <laughs> uh, so doing a daily show has just been a little bit difficult, but that will be back soon as well. Good times. And other things that I do. There's too much. Uh, there's there's a lot, but uh, it's all good. It's all fun. So. Good times. Um, and then, of course, you're on Twitter uh, at Tech Support Rich. Yeah, that's right. So. And I'm just trying the Facebook subscriber thing as well. So that's facebook.com slash techsupportrich. And techsupportrich.com. Actually, just type techsupportrich and Google, <laughs> you'll find me. You're everywhere. I know. It's frightening. <laughs> Good times. Well, thank you for coming on the show. This was a lot of fun. Well, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. And we're looking forward. We're going to have Craig on in a couple of weeks, and uh, so we're going to get a bunch of visitors from the the Simply Syndicated family. So it should be fun. Um, but yeah, so uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Thanks for listening.
and I'm at the Televerse. You can leave comment. You can leave comments for us. You can leave comments for us. Would you take over, please? <laughs> uh, yeah, you can leave. Uh... Um, if we uh, let's shoot for one comment on the website this week. Come on, guys! I know that you can do it. So, uh, yeah, I look forward to to hearing what, what you guys thought of the week and and. What, oh my god, I look forward to what you guys thought of the week. <laughs> Rico. Son of a bitch. You must shoot that dog. <laughs>